Hello there, I'm Brian Taylor. Down the years, you may have seen me on the telly or heard me on the wireless, but this is different. This is the Brian Taylor podcast brought to you by The Herald. In today's episode... Where is the humanity in turning a boat full of women, men and children who are desperate into uncertainty and danger? For far too long, and the First Minister herself candidly admitted it, the eye's been taken off the ball. And so we're now in the position where we have the worst drug death rate crisis in, in Europe. If you'd asked us a few months ago, we probably would have had a more implacable position on things like drug consumption drugs. But we're, we're prepared to move our position as, as necessary in order to put life at the centre of our concern. Hello there, I'm Brian Taylor. Very warm welcome to my latest Herald podcast. Delighted to be joined this week by four MSPs, Gillian Martin for the SNP, Stephen Kerr from the Conservatives, Labour's Paul O'Kane, and Liam MacArthur for the Liberal Democrats. Now, we'll talk later about drugs policy. We'll talk about that appalling migrant tragedy in the channel. But first, an issue raised at Holyrood by the Labour leader, Anas Sawar. He reported that two more children, according to clinicians, had died at Glasgow's Queen Elizabeth University Hospital from infections acquired while in the hospital. Paul O'Kane, let's come to you first. He also said clinicians were uh, afraid to speak out. They were, they were being bullied. Yeah, I mean, this is a horrendous uh, set of circumstances, Brian, but we know that um, it's been ongoing for years and that there has been multiple deaths uh, at the hospital. And indeed, last week, I raised a constituent who uh, lost her, her baby daughter a number of years ago. And, you know, I think what we're getting to here is that there's an inquiry ongoing, um, which the First Minister has pointed to in her answers. But to be quite honest, that inquiry is not enough. It's not going to stop deaths from happening. Um, it hasn't stopped the death of, for example, Andrew Slaurens, who was mentioned by Anas last week. And what we actually need is action. And I think the health care has to be answerable and the First Minister has to step yeah, in. But hang on a second, Paul. If you set up a full-scale inquiry, surely you have to wait for the outcome of that inquiry rather than preempting it by, by, by you know, Anas Sauer was suggesting virtually taking over the hospital from the, suggesting entirely that, taking over the hospital from the health board. I think the reality is, Brian, as I've said, that, you know, the inquiry isn't preventing death. There's something seriously wrong uh, and something seriously concerning. Uh, and the leadership of the health board um, have to be, I think, answerable for that. And I think Anas's call was right that the government has to move to that um, very serious level of um, of uh, basically stepping in, taking control of the situation uh-huh. and asking for the, the board of the health board to consider their, their position. Do you agree with that, Stephen Kerr? I mean, is that not being, you know, judge, jury, and 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 you know, sentence later, first verdict later? Brian, I like to do agree with what Paul has said. It sometimes feels in the Scottish Parliament as if every aspect of public policy is paralysed by ongoing reviews and ongoing reports. What we need is action. What the government needs to focus on is getting the getting on with the job, not talking about it, not reviewing it. And, and, and it is very serious. I mean, there's a very sombre feeling around the, uh, the FMQs today on that yeah. particular issue. Um, it is frustrating. Four years in the making, the, 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 this situation, being brought up repeatedly in Parliament, questions, you know, written questions, oral questions. I mean, it's time for the government to act. And I'm afraid, like I say, the SNP have made this into an art form. The fact that they keep kicking things into the long grass and it's got to stop being the bullying question. Um, I would be really surprised if not every one of the parliamentarians that are on this podcast, you, Brian, haven't had experience of clinicians uh, coming to them, um, doing a doing whistleblowing, 
um, exp expressing their concerns about yeah. the toxic feeling there is. I mean, it's well, it's on the public record that both Valley Hospital, which is the nearest hospital to my neck of the woods, um, there's a long-going problem there with bullying, and there was, of course, the problem in the Highlands. It's, it's, it's endemic, and people don't speak up. They don't feel free to say what they need to say, and it's in the public interest that more people do speak up, more people yeah, have Accepting um, all of that, thanks. Accepting all of that, let's move to Liam MacArthur. I, I, even accepting all of that, I mean, and as Sawar was saying, you know, sack the health boards, sack the supervisory body, and, and pretty nearly sack the, the, the first minister. You've got to, do you not have to allow an investigation into these matters before you, you come to a, a, a verdict and a sentence? Well, I, I mean, I think, I think as, as, as Paul and Stephen have, have um, rightly identified. I mean, the, 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 um, what has been happening here has been quite astonishing in, in many respects. And, and one of the worrying aspects is not just that it's happened, but there does appear, as, as Stephen uh, rightly says, been a, a, either a culture of bullying or, or an, an inability among senior clinicians to raise concerns internally through due processes or even through the review process um, that uh, has been ongoing. I don't think um, necessarily Anas was saying today something that we haven't heard in relation to um, other incidents in the past where there is a review and, and, and ministers quite rightly will want to wait to see um, what uh, recommendations are, are brought forward through the review. But that hasn't prevented them taking quite dramatic action in, in, in some instances uh, ahead of time. And, 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 and I think at the moment, um, in terms of rebuilding public confidence, but also confidence uh, within the hospital and within, within the health board itself, I, I, I can't see how that is is uh, is, is is gained without um, some fairly dramatic action by by ministers recognising the seriousness of um, not just the allegations that have been made, but 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 actually the the incidents that that, that quite clearly have taken place um, within this hospital. Gillian Martin. Do you know, you can't fail to have sympathy yeah. for the calls for action when you're listening to the sort of cases that Anas brought today. Of course, you, we all, you know, we've all got families and you, 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 these things are, are devastating. That is one side of it. But the other side of it is what do you do about it? So if the government weren't to, to ask for an independent inquiry, I imagine Stephen, Paul, Liam would be saying, you know, why is it not independent? It should, you know, it should be an inquiry. You need to let these inquiries take place and then take action. But at the same time, I, I do have sympathy when you say, well, you know, we've stepped in before. I believe Tayside was stepped in before. And I, I, I guess, you know, as a result of potentially of some of the things that Anas has brought to the chamber today, you know, people will be thinking, you know, okay, so we have to we have to look at this. I don't know. I don't know what the, the behind the scenes, but inquiries are there to find out root and branch what the problem is. If there's a yes. culture of bullying, yes. that will be that will be wrung out. And it's actually not just in that part of go, go on, Stephen, go on, go on Stephen. It's yeah. not it's not just in that part of Scotland that these reports of bullying the kind of toxic environment that was mentioned today. It's, it, there's something far wrong in the NHS in Scotland generally. The Highland think, Health Board as well, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes, Highland. And if I've mentioned Fourth Valley that I know something about, and it's not helpful. And I, I don't think, I mean, 
I don't think, Julian, you are saying that it, we should hide behind process. When action oh, needs to be taken, to quote a great Churchillian line, it should be action this day. And sometimes... But what action? You have to cut through process and take action. Let's go, let's go back to Julian. Julian, you, you, you're saying that what action, yeah. What action? And that's the thing. That's what an inquiry will report on. What action? To, to, quote, to, quote another, to quote another Prime Minister, Harold Wilson, who said public inquiries can, can take minutes and waste years. You know, yeah. is, yeah. is there not the yeah. need for, a, for an urgent, uh, urgent yeah. action? You, you seem to be sympathetic to the idea that perhaps there is a need for, for urgent intervention in this case. I, I think, as I said, everyone's sympathetic. Everyone wants answers. And if there's people in that particular health board that are promoting a culture of bullying or hiding anything, those people need to be shaken out. Paul then Liam, and then I'm going to move on. Paul, Paul then Liam. Paul. Not, not only a culture of bullying, I think, for staff, but we have to listen to what families are telling us about their sense that there's a culture of a cover-up, that they've been stonewalled when trying to get answers yeah. about the death of their children, which is horrendous, as I've said already. So we need to listen to what families are saying, and they want direct action now to deal with what is a culture of cover-ups. And, and trust has been irreparably damaged, I think, between yeah. these families and the health board, and that's why they don't have faith in the inquiry process either. I, I mean, I was going to make that, that point. There was a bit of a, an issue at the end of First Minister's questions when there was a, a debate about whether or not um, they were the, the, the health board were in um, the, uh, the the most extreme level of, 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 of oversight. And I think, I mean, I, I don't know the members of um, the, the health board. I, I'm the last person to make a judgment uh, on them. That, 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 in a sense, is for the review, but is also for them themselves. I mean, I think yeah. Paul's point about the confidence, not just at the public, uh, but patients and their families, but also staff members have in them to be able to turn this around. And I think we're at the stage now where I think there's such serious questions um, uh -huh. in that regard, that whether or not it's ministers taking action or individuals themselves on that board, seeing that, that whatever their skills, whatever their, 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 their expertise and their merits, actually are they the right um, individuals to, to turn this situation around? Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, th thanks, thanks all for, the, for this. I mean, I suspect we could, we could take the, the entire programme with this. I'm sure we'll return to it and we'll return to it on this, this podcast. I want to move on to another topic, a, a tragedy of, of, a, of a different nature, but also causing um, uh, extreme concern among the public and among Parliamentarians both at Westminster and at Holyrood because urgent talks are underway between Britain and France in an effort to resolve what can just describe as a migrant crisis. 27 people tragically losing their lives trying to cross the channel to get to a new life in the, the UK. Pretty Patel, the, the Home Secretary, said she'll do whatever it takes but urged MPs to support a, a bill to, to make uh, the, the asylum rules perhaps tighter. At Holyrood, Nicola Sturgeon was asked about it and argued that safer access for migrants must be found. Steve, Stephen Kerr, what, what's the, what, we, we all express huge concern for these, these, these terrible losses. What, what is the way to try and resolve this as an issue in your view, Stephen Kerr? The British and the French governments must work far more closely together to cut off this, uh, this stem of people simply because it's being propelled, it's being fueled by, I can only describe them as wicked people who yes. are taking humongous sums of money from decent, honourable people and promising them safe passage from France to the UK. And frankly, we need to take all of the action we can, combined action, French and British governments, to cut this, this, this terrible 
uh, stream of, of, of it's, it's just it's just what, unthinable that people. What, what about the first? What about what, what about the first minister's suggestion? What about the first minister's suggestion that UK ministers don't allow a, a route of safe passage, and so therefore the well, migrants will go the, for this, this desperately unsafe. Right, right. The, the, the whole the whole thing is that France is a is one of the world's richest countries. It's a very decent place to be. It's a safe place to be. There is no need for people to do what they're doing, but they are being sold lies by these wicked people who are taking thousands of pounds and sticking them then into into dinghies and things that would probably you know be fit for the back garden on a hot summer's day. And Aye. frankly, they are vile, and we should use all of our combined efforts to deal with that. And at the same time, we we need to do something okay. to gather people together and prevent them from falling into the hands of these people. Ev- ev- everyone keen to come in. I'm going to bring in Gillian Martin. Gillian, what's your take on this issue? Do you know, I think the first thing that needs to be looked at is the turn back policy. Um, yeah. There's been some charities that have actually said that it's breaching international maritime law. I mean, that's serious. Effectively, when you have a situation where people are in an unsafe boat and they've been turned back, they've been put into danger. We need to accept the fact that there are people who will cross the channel for, for many, many reasons, very desperate people, people that often might be separated from family members who are already in the UK. Okay. And, and I think there's yeah. a couple of things there. The turn back policy needs to be looked at because there's culpability when that, that policy is introduced as the danger of you putting people in. And whatever happened to the Dubs Amendment? Whatever happened about the child refugees that were at the thief? No, Julian, you're confusing the issues here completely. You really are confusing the issues. This is an issue about a trade in human beings. This is about people being. I accept that are people exploiting people. It's worse than that. Major point. I'm making some other points. Situation. I am making some other points about how we can stop people from dying in the channel. Don't conflate and, them. And turning them back into danger is, is, is something that really seriously needs to be looked at. Brian asked what should be done, and what should be done is we need to get to grips with the people that are creating this traffic in human human life, and, and, and these people are reprehensible. Liam MacArthur, you're screwing your face up at that suggestion. Yeah, I mean, I, I think because, I, to, to be honest, I, I agree entirely with Stephen's um, assessment that the French and UK governments um, need to be doing more and more collaboratively. Can I also commend Stephen on referring um, to them as um, those that are, are, are being put at risk in this way as decent, honourable people? And frankly, contrast that with some of the, the, the dog whistle language that the Home Secretary has Absolutely. been using over recent weeks. Now, look, I, 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 think, I think that is highly regrettable, and I think many of Stephen's colleagues would would agree with that. But it isn't, there isn't a single solution to this. But I think without recognising that 98% of those crossing the channel are seeking uh, asylum, that the, the numbers are, are there as a result of, of um, what is happening in conflict areas um, where we have had an involvement and we've had a responsibility that we haven't faced up to. So find, providing those safe and legal... To pick up, Liam, to pick up Stephen Kerr's point, why, why do they need to cross the channel yes. to seek asylum? Why can't they seek asylum in France? Well, this, I mean, whether it's, I'm not, I'm not arguing where the, the, um, the, the process needs to take place, but unless you provide those safe and legal routes, I don't think um, it, it's, uh, it's reasonable to say you need to stay um, where you are if ultimately where you are trying to get to is the UK. I mean, we're talking about some individuals who've pitched up on our shores who were heavily involved in supporting 
um, uh, UK armed forces in, in Afghanistan and who have been sitting waiting in Afghanistan or neighbouring countries for um, the UK Home Office to process their applications to the come but to Liam, the UK. But so, Liam, you're but not, you're not... It, we can speak in generalities here. Okay, but in let me follow, follow Kane. Follow Kane. What, what do you make of this topic? You know, quite frankly, we've had complete inaction from the Home Secretary. And what we've had essentially is, Liam's quite right, her dog whistle uh, and often quite frank, um, shocking things that she said. And the reality is I'm sick of listening to that. I'm sick of, sick of hearing about turning back boats, of the criminalisation of potentially the RNLI. That's shocking. We're talking about people's lives here. You know, again, uh, children dying in the channel. What we need is um, the Home Secretary to get a grip and start to do some of the things that Stephen's talking about. You know, the, the reality is negotiating... But, 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 but Paul, 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 Paul are you not also talking, as Stephen Kerr said, about deliberate criminality and huge profiteering of, of the, yeah. the, 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 the back of these migrants who are being encouraged to, to yeah, take yeah. a route that in this case has led to... But why is it, what exactly has the UK government done to tackle these criminal gangs? You know, what action has the UK government taken uh, with France in terms of targeting these criminal gangs and not just speaking in generalities, but actually, you know, looking at, at the issues? Human trafficking is a huge issue. Modern slavery is a huge issue. I don't see anything within the bill that's actually seeking to deal with these issues in the round. And, that's a nationalised yeah, I, mean, I promise you get back in. Stephen. The United Kingdom has been a global leader in tackling the scourge of modern slavery. So uh, let's let's say that and, and, and leave it there. And the other thing is, in terms of the UK government acting with the French government, um, the UK government has, has undoubtedly been um, giving the French authorities, local and national, considerable sums of money in order to pay for the additional levels of cooperation that we're looking for. And what needs to happen now is that that cooperation needs to be seen on the ground to work. And the reality is, and Liam kind of ducked the issue here, these Good people, they are decent people, many of them very qualified, very skilled people, who would be a, would be an addition to our society. I don't deny it, but there has to be pro there has to be a proper process for this. People so have arrived exactly. on the, the post, have arrived on that French post and have passed off into several countries that are members of the European Union, that are very good countries to be in. Many of us go on holiday to those places, let's be frank. They're not hell holes, they're not some kind of suburb of of of, uh, of, okay. of evil that they may be fleeing from and and the idea that uh, you know the, the idea that they couldn't claim asylum there is spurious i think the problem is the problem is you, if you create a hostile environment and you ask home office officials to operate within that hostile environment they will take decisions i'm sorry that's um, that are leading to that's the sorts of not exclusively Stephen. there are other factors at play here and i think we've all acknowledged that but unless we sort out the issue of of, of, of more safe and legal routes for for those that are looking to claim asylum now whether they do it in afghanistan whether they do it in neighboring countries whether they do it in france is is largely immaterial but unless we provide um, a message that's coming out from the Home Office that's not talking in, in, in sort of derogatory terms about migrants as opposed to, as you described them, decent, honourable people. Well, they are. Um, who have a legitimate claim to make and that that would be processed in a timely, expeditious fashion. Then we cannot be surprised when we're seeing the sorts of scenes that we're seeing uh, on, the, uh, on the channel. I'm in danger of, we're in danger of this being the Stephen Kerr show. We don't leave no. anything there. This is, a, this is a situation that is nuanced and complex. And I agree wholeheartedly with what Liam MacArthur just said, that you're going to have people that want to come to the UK for legitimate reasons. 
Again, they might have served uh, along, alongside the armed forces in Afghanistan. English is their second language. They are going through a process that needs to get... But why are they being forced into a situation where they're, uh, they're paying uh, criminals to go in, into to, to unsafe boats? Because they are desperate. They are desperate. So something isn't working. Something isn't working. There have to be safe passages and there has to be a recognition that there are people who legitimately want to come to the UK for a myriad of reasons. And why are they being let Jill, down? Gillian, hang, hang on, Stephen. Let me put something to you, Gillian. Let me put something to you. Would you have any form of immigration control? Would you turn anyone away? Or if someone says, I wish to go to the UK, is that it? Would you simply allow them entry? No, I just think that it's a hostile environment and the... the the, the inflexibility of the system at the moment that is driving these desperate people to these measures. So something has to be looked at. Under your system, would would anyone be a permitted access? Yeah, I, I don't ha I don't have a system as that. I'm not saying open the doors to everyone, okay. but do not turn back boats in the middle of the channel yeah. in the winter to to danger. That's what I'm saying. There has to be safe routes, and there has to be a, a look at the system that is letting down people with legitimate reasons to come to this country. But you understand that if you allow every every one of these boats to, to, to land and every one of the refugees and migrants on those boats to gain access to the UK, in a sense, I understand mm. the other argument, but in a sense, you're encouraging the, the, the profiteers to continue to make cover. But it's not an either or. And you've got these illegal gangs and something. That, I mean, I agree with Stephen Kerr on that front. There are people profiteering from yeah. people's misery. That has to be dealt with. Of course, it has to be dealt with. If, if, if it's not been targeted properly, then there has to be closer cooperation from the jurisdictions that they're operating in. But the other side of the coin is the turn back policy is legally a little bit on the dodgy side. Gosh. Well, that, that, that question, of course, that, that question has been raised by, by, by charities yeah. who do know what they're talking about. And there was a, it's a humanitarian crisis. Where is the humanity in turning a boat full of women, men and children who are desperate into uncertainty and danger? Thank you, Paul. Paul, Paul and then Stephen Kerr. Hang on a second. Paul, Paul OK. You know, the point is, and go back to the work, you know, there's not a workable deal with France. There needs to be a workable deal with France in order to target these criminal gangs more effectively and actually bilateral agreements more generally. There's nothing in the Borders and Immigration Bill that deals with the replacement of um, some of the existing uh, agreements that, that came from the European Union, the Dublin Three Agreement, for example, you know, on bilateral uh, action to deal with this. Also, I think more broadly, we have to look at the decisions that have been made Further upstream, the cut to international aid has been a huge issue, which has stopped um, many excellent uh, refugee agencies doing work in countries around the world um, to, to support people uh, and to find safe and legal routes. So the reality is, you know, these decisions have an impact uh, and, and we need to be better at our, at our bilateral and unilateral agreements across the world. Stephen Kerr. Well, um I mean, I think I, I can only say what I've said already, and that is, uh, listen, I agree with Paul. Um, and Liam and Gillian, the UK and the, Brit the French governments, they need to work together. Absolutely, we agree with that. I think there needs to be more bilateral cooperation. I don't want to see people being uh, life and limb put further at risk um, beyond the fact that people are taking their families or young children into these dinghies, uh, you know, paddling pool type dinghies. And, 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 and it's, it's horrific. And I think we need to be strong about this. We need to understand why people pass through so many countries before they actually take such a risk and put their lives into the hands of these evil people. 
Um, and there's, a, there's, there's much to be done, but let's not get carried away. I think, Brian, you're absolutely right. There has to be an immigration policy. We have to have criteria by which we assess uh, things. Even, even asylum seeking needs to be assessed on some criteria. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, we're not going to be in a position, and we shouldn't be in a position where we open our borders uh, uh, unilaterally to everyone who wishes to come here. We need to understand, we really do need to understand that the UK plays a very prominent a part in the world in terms of international aid, Paul introduced the 0.2% um, cut. And, you know, many of us, I think all of us, um, would, would rather not have taken that backward step. It was a backward step. The government has admitted that. And we, have a, we do a lot of good in the world. We do a lot of good on the ground in the countries where people are fleeing from, because ideally, we want to create a condition in some of these hot spots, some of these troubled places, where people feel that they can stay in their home countries, they can stay in their yeah. neighbourhoods with their families because very few people volunteer uh, to want to be uh, refugees or asylum seekers, and and, and so we, we we do need to work internationally cooperatively to deal with some of these deeply uh, ingrained problems that, that Britain has a part to play in that, no doubt about it. I'm going to call that one to 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 a close again. Thanks very much for your contributions. We had a degree of dispute there. We had a degree of argument over the details, but there was a degree of consensus as well, obviously consensus about the need to prevent further tragedies of this nature. And there was an attempt at, at, at a search for consensus earlier this week on another um, uh, topic of, of serious concern, the topic of drugs abuse. Scotland's record, of course, in drugs deaths is simply appalling. And earlier this week, Nicola Sturgeon and the Conservative leader, Douglas Ross, jointly visited a Glasgow centre who are trying to help those whose lives have been blighted by drugs they i mean they, they didn't agree on everything by any any means but they, they agreed to look at each other's ideas uh, liam liam MacArthur, do you, do you think is is this one where do we need a new approach in scotland i mean we, we've talked for decades about the war on drugs if, if there is a war on drugs in my view we seem to be losing it fairly fairly palpably well, I think I think by any measure, um, the only conclusion you can draw is that we need a new approach. Um, can I start by welcoming Angela Constance to, to her position? I think that was definitely a, a step in the right direction. And, and she has demonstrated, I think, an attitude to look at um, any and all options. It won't be a quick fix. Unfortunately, for more than a decade, uh, the response from, from a succession of SNP ministers, including the First Minister, was that um, somehow this was the fault of West Westminster and what we needed to do was devolve um, drug policy. Well, if you look at relative drug death rates across the UK, that is utterly um, given the lie to. As I say, I think Angela Constance has come at it with um, with a, a refreshing uh, willingness to, to not just look at any and all ideas, but to work across the parties. And indeed, probably more importantly, those with the lived experience that are delivering the projects um, the delivering the support within communities, and and we have frankly been um, left high and dry for far yeah. too. Uh, Liam, would you forgive me? Forget it, Robert, Would would you go down the road of more? Hesitate to say decriminalisation. Perhaps it's but the idea the Lord Advocate had of of issuing warnings even for those who are in possession of Class A drugs rather than than, than more minor. Um, well, uh, well the, the Lord Advocate is relatively new in her post, but I think a, a quick word with her predecessor um, would confirm um, suspicion that I and my colleagues have been banging on about the need to decriminalise in this area for, for for some length of time. I think the, 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 the idea of consumption rooms playing a part. I think I think no, nothing here is going to be a silver bullet. Is the single um, answer. No, but, 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 but for far too long, and the First Minister herself candidly admitted it, um, the eye's been taken off the ball. And so we're now yeah. in the position where we have the worst drug death rate crisis 
in, in, in Europe. So, so stop stop jailing people trying to assist them in, instead. Is that what you're saying? And, yeah. And, yeah. And and I think I think again, commendably, there's been an acknowledgement that having a health-based approach to this rather than justice-based approach to it is the right way of, of, of tackling it. Unfortunately, it, it's got bogged down too often in uh, constitutional arguments and, and it's got bogged yeah. down in budget decisions that have taken money away from precisely the sorts of uh, services and support uh, that those directly affected uh, have been relying on uh, most. I'm going, to bring in, I'm going to bring in Stephen. Stephen Kerr, your party, you, this idea of police warnings only for possession, of, you're talking about heroin. You're talking about heroin, uh, class A drugs like, like heroin. Uh, your yeah. party said that was tantamount to decriminalisation and was the wrong way to go. And yet, on the other hand, you're talking about a right to recovery bill. You seems to me you're, you're you're slightly contradicting yourselves there. No, not at all. Because because actually, we're prepared to pull on any lever we can pull on uh, in order to try and bring about a holistic approach to this. Because people are dying, families are being bereaved, and what we've got to do is put the the, the, those people at the heart of our policy. So, I mean, we are, we are not ideological at all about this. We want to see okay. what can be made to work. And But the fact is that this is a stain on, on this government's record. It's a stain on our country. And we should all be working together in order to deal with it effectively. And it's right that we should take a health approach to this. Absolutely is. But yeah, my party, and certainly myself, speak for myself, I am having uh, had, the, again, its constituency dealings with families who are living in streets, which it's hard not to think they've effectively been turned over, or at least parts of those streets have been turned over to drug dealers. Yeah. And I don't want to give the streets over to any of these people. I mean, I seem to go on a bit of a kick today about people who pervade uh, in the trade of death. But frankly, these people, that's literally what they do. And um, so I don't want the police to step back. From dealing with uh, the people who push the drugs, and you and think I you think, think if they're only issuing warnings, that's stepping back. But what what, what good does prosecution do? They end they end up in Barlini where they get access to drugs because because you you, you effectively have given a, a line in patter to these vile people that are trading in drugs to say it's all right, you can take this this amount because you you, you know you're, you're not getting any bother, and 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 you know I, I certainly oh, I don't think that we should I certainly don't think. That the answer, uh, just before anyone jumps in to say this, I don't think the answer is that we prosecute people who need help, but we need to give help to people. Okay. We're not helping them by making it easier for people to get those drugs on the streets and into other in, 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 into their hands. I, I think we've got to take a holistic view, and that means health and it means uh, law enforcement. Paul, Paul, and then Gillian. Paul, Paul O'Kane, okay, then Gillian. I, I, think we're, I think we are beginning to find a degree of consensus on yeah, the issue. And I, I think Liam's point is absolutely right that for too long, perhaps, we've got caught up in um, who, whose job is it to do what in terms of the constitution, or the, you know, and there's been issues around funding. But I think what we need to do is absolutely look at that basket of measures. If we're taking a health approach as well, we need to look at the fundamentals. Um, what are the, the, the root causes of addiction? And those, uh, as we know, are, are often poverty uh, and yeah. um, toxic stress for a lot of people. Uh, for me as well, I think we've got to advocate local services being well-funded, and that's got to be about council interventions, uh, early interventions, good social work, you know, all yeah. of those things that, that have suffered, I think, from local government cuts over many years. If we don't have the, the basics right, then we can't, we can't do the rest, you know. And I think it's important. I think it's important, yeah. I think an important uh, expression of the consensus that, that we are all trying to build would be um, that everyone will look at and, and, and um, feed in to the, the process of delivering a, a right to rehab, a right to recovery from addiction measure 
that means that people get the treatment that they need when they need it. Because at the yeah, moment, Nicholas Sturgeon said, she'll look at that. Will your party look at consumption rooms? The idea of you know places of, of safe consumption under supervision with the the concomitant backup offer of help. Will you look at that? Well, we, we we have. I mean, we are. We have said that we will not oppose a pilot scheme of uh, drug consumption rooms, and it's simply because, as I said in my initial response, we are we are prepared to look at anything we can do to remove this dreadful trend of increasing deaths from drugs year on year. And yes, I mean, if you'd asked us a few months ago, we probably would have had a more implacable position on things yeah. like drug consumption rooms. But we're we're prepared to move. Our position as, as necessary in order to put life at the centre of the of our firm. Right. And that means I hope that other parties will do the same in terms of feeding into the right to recovery. Gillian Martin. Gillian, Gillian Martin. Yeah, I'm actually really heartened to hear the, the contributions from, from everyone because I think that Stephen, Stephen is, is right. I think previously there has been an implacable and very justice-led view from, from yeah. the, the Conservative benches, and I don't think that's been entirely helpful. So... I think Monday, I mean, although it was, you know, quite pressy and... and it was a photo call. Yeah, let's not mock about it. It was a photo call, yeah. But it symbolises something. It symbolises yeah. that, 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 that regardless of party affiliation, we're all wanting to get solutions to this dreadful problem that we have in Scotland. We need to look at the root causes for, that, that drive people in, into into addiction and, and the, 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 the misuse of substances that, that harm their health. Um, we need to look at uh, lots of different solutions and to get people into um, the, the, the health streams that can help them. I think safe consumption rooms is a way of doing that. You know, so you're actually having these other interventions in there that can help them in other parts of their life to actually come off come off drugs safely. So you don't just get a warm place to take heroin. They, they actually get That's back exactly it. I mean, it's, it's been proven in other areas that you're actually intervening into people's lives because they will not go to services otherwise that can help them. And it's not just about rehab either and re residential rehab, because one of the issues with the residential rehab that has been that there haven't been the aftercare when they come out of rehab yep. and then they go back into the communities yep. and, 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 and seeing the people in their communities that have been a problem in their life. Um, and so you have to look at all these different areas. I It's, it's, it's actually it's, it's great to hear that we're all going to sort of almost yep. drop the rhetoric, drop the kind of around particularly criminalizing people because people are going to go people are going to take drugs regardless of the criminalization yeah. but what happens to them when they're put into the criminal justice system is they're not helped to go over their addiction and here's here's a devil's advocate point you know Jillian's talking there about the neighborhoods and those around them you know the the if you're a if you're a drug user a drug abuser a serious drug abuser it'll be only one of a series of elements in what is probably a, a pretty chaotic lifestyle, a chaotic lifestyle that is probably very disturbing to, you, to your immediate neighbours. Okay, we're, we're, we're saying the, the health route and the education route. I understand that and I appreciate that. But sometimes if you put them in prison, at least you're relieved. you give the neighbours a bit of a break. For, 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 we, yeah. for, what, what, what about we, that? If we, can't, we, can't use our prisons as, we can't use our prisons as respite here, Brian. I, I absolutely get it. But there isn't a, there isn't a quick fix to some of these um, individual Stories they are they're, these are individuals leading hugely chaotic lives, and the yeah. impact they have on on those around them, whether it's whether it's family members, whether it's neighbours, whether it's the wider community, it is undoubtedly hugely um, uh, disturbing and 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 and, and, and can cause uh, all manner of problems. Uh, but if we stick them into the criminal justice system, if we if we if we lock them up, 
yeah. if we if we refuse to engage in the sorts of measures that will support them to lead not necessarily particularly unchaotic lives, but reduce yeah. the level of chaos, give them more of an opportunity to play a slightly more positive role within their community, then in terms of the longer term benefits, not just to them as individuals, but to their families, but also to the wider community, I think yeah. that's a far better investment than the, the very Gillian then Stephen, Gillian Martin. Can I add one thing to what Liam not only that, in many families when mum is convicted, you are effectively adding extra chaos to her children's life. Mm -hmm. And the you the cycle will repeat and repeat and repeat because what you'll find with a lot of people who have problems with, with drug use is that is a result of their adverse childhood experiences. And if you're taking away parents from a home, you're actually I mean, a, a parent going to prison is an adverse childhood experience, and that needs to be factored into how we deal with this. Thanks for that. Stephen Kerr? I certainly don't want us to think that arresting people that are using drugs and saying that the prison is the answer. It's not. But I also hope that my fellow parliamentarians would agree that we ought not to be soft on those that are known to be trading in drugs. Yeah. And, in, and, and in the most unlikely parts of Scotland, I'm afraid, you will find... Uh, houses that are known to everyone who lives in the neighbourhood, that, that that is where drugs are being bought and sold. And I would like us to give the police the resources and the powers that they need to deal with that, because there are some people that should be in prison, and those are the people that are making profit on the back of the addiction and the misery and the death of people who, uh, who are on drugs. So uh, I hope we'd also agree on that. I don't think we should be sending a message that says that we're going to become weaker on justice in respect to those who are the purveyors, the pushers uh, of, de of, of drugs. Paul O'Kane, presumably there is, there is agreement on that, that the, 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 the pushers get targeted. Well, I mean, of course, I think absolutely we need to, um, to look at who is, who is supplying the drugs uh, and what that does to communities. Uh, and I think there's a fundamental uh, issue, Stephen's right, in terms of rural communities particularly being impacted now more than ever. Um, we know about county lines. Um, there's still, I think, further work to be done in terms of uh, getting to the root causes of, of how that happens. And also, I think, again, going back to, to my original point about what happens in communities around diversion activities at the very earliest point for young people um, so that they don't end up um, being drawn into to a lot of these activities which are so damaging and so damaging to communities as well. Okay, thanks. Thanks, all. I'm going to close that discussion. Thanks. That was tremendous. I really think we, we made, made progress. There. I'm going to close with one other topic that is that is it, it's serious, it's it's grave, it's important, but it also has perhaps a source of innocent merriment at its core. Yes, we're talking Peppa Pig, uh, better known as the Prime Minister. That 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 remarkable speech earlier this week in which he, he lost his place and 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 found found the joys of of cartoon characters as as a replacement. And of course, the the suggestion that was put to the First Minister, which we resolutely denied, as 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 only she can, that that she was. Uh, not long for the, the the job and might be seeking pastures new. So bo both the, the Prime Minister and the First Minister th this week having to say, uh, to disappoint their opponents, I think, as Nicola Sturgeon put it, and, and, and say that they're, they're definitely staying where they are. G Gillian, do you think either is going quickly? Who, who will go first? The Prime Minister, let, let's, be, let's be really naughty. Gosh. Who will go first? The First Minister. I, I don't know. I, I, think, I think it's going to have to be Boris Johnson because I think that 
privately, there must be quite a lot of Conservative parties with their head in their hands about what happened the other day. It's uh, one thing to turn up late to an after-dinner speech and, and do the whole bumbling buffoon bit for the laughs. He's the Prime Minister. My goodness, that's a serious job. It yeah. demands a serious person. So, yeah, um, I, I won't, it won't be the likes of me that necessarily will be getting rid of Boris Johnson. I think it will be the likes of Stephen's pals. Do, do you think, do you think, Gillian, that the you know the, the suggestion was that there's buyer's regret among uh, some of those who backed uh, Boris Johnson for the premiership? I guess, I guess he's performed a punk a function. The whole oven ready stuff and the, <laughs> the get Brexit done and the blast or whatever. He's probably he, he's he's probably performed his his function. It's maybe time. But I'm, never never interrupt your enemy when they're making a mistake. But I'll give the Conservatives some advice. <laughs> Put someone serious in. <laughs> Liam, Liam, who's going first, the Prime Minister or the First Minister and why? Well, I, th- I, I think to, to quote another truism, it's one of those contests where it's a shame there's got to be a one winner. Um, I, 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 think the, I think the problem with the Prime Minister at the moment, it, it's certainly been priced in um, by some of his colleagues and, and seemingly, if you look at the polls, by a, a lot of the public. But there must Pricing. come a point. You don't think they're taking wagers on, 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 on the, the PM going, do you? We've been around these houses so many times. I'm not sure I would risk making a bet on it um, at all. It just seems to me that he keeps redefining what it takes to to do something that's career limiting. I I think there's a more serious issue with the the, the First Minister. I know she tried to wave it off as the the idle gossip of, of, of political opponents, but I think there are many within her own party and within her wider movement who've been sort of openly conjecturing, and that, that's been a, a not terribly characteristic trait of, of SNP colleagues over the years. But I think there has been open conjecture. And and why wouldn't there be? I mean, she's been in um, the role for, um, for well over a decade now. Um, she's gone through 18 months plus of a, a pandemic where, goodness knows, at a, at a micro level, at a constituency level, I know how exhausting it's been she, for me. She hasn't been first minister for a decade. She's been I, in, I can't, in active I, government. Absolutely. So so I, I don't think it's unreasonable for even people without a political axe to grind to be asking that question. Um, but I, I, listen, I, 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 um, I'm too long in the tooth to be making uh, bets that will just come up and blow up in my face, I think. Uh, Paul, Paul, Paul who's, who, who's, who's, if, if you were a betting man, I'm sure you're <laughs> if you were a betting man. PM out first or FM out first? I, I mean, it was quite something, the speech that, that Boris delivered. I mean, I, I thought him trying to name the Seven Hills of Rome was bad at the, the G7, but uh, it was... it was. But actually, I think it's about more than that. I think it's actually about his um, his judgment. And I think already, uh, I think that buyer's regret that you talk about is absolutely correct for a lot of Tory MPs and for a lot of people who, who voted Conservative in 2019. And the reality is we've seen all manner of U-turns, uh, all manner of uh, of moving away from policy positions that were supposedly cast in stone and never to be uh, undone. So, so, you know, serious questions there. I think yeah. Liam's characterisation, I think, is quite right in terms of, of the First Minister. But I think, yet again, what we've seen is on the eve of yet another SNP conference. I mean, I don't know how Gillian keeps up with them. They seem to have one every other month. We've got the <laughs> first minister talking about herself and talking about her, her future rather than perhaps talking about some of these really serious issues that we've been discussing this afternoon, which I actually think is where the focus of the government needs to be and well, not just on the, the internal struggles of the, the Scottish National Party. Listen, you listen. You should complain. I've been attending SNP conferences since 1978, which is a lot, a lot, a lot longer than anybody else here, including Gillian Martin. <laughs> 
None of your nonsense, okay? None of your nonsense. <laughs> you don't look that old, Brian. Brian. Don't look that old. Thinks only one a year. Now there's two, or I think they get this year, but definitely <laughs> my, something like that. Brian, my first. My first Conservative Party conference was 1977. Oh, it's so, short so off I'm, now. My first was 78. There we are. <laughs> you must have been a pen. You must have been. A, were you there as a toddler? A, a, I in, no, in the I was there as a young conservative. Oh, a young conservative. <laughs> did you have a dashing moustache? Did, did you twiddle a dashing moustache? I bet you did. Uh, no, 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 no. I've never been able to grow a moustache, if I'm honest with you, Brian. Um, but, uh, but it was Blackpool. Yeah, we used to, we used to have our, our conferences at the seaside. Um, Look, I, I think, um, first of all, I, I think none of us should underestimate either of these politicians. They are at the top of their game for a reason. Um, but I think there's no doubt that the First Minister is nearer the end than the beginning. And I think that uh, the, the comment that was made earlier by Liam is absolutely right. It is now an astonishing feature of the SNP that they are actively talking about this and, and disagreeing among each other, which is a welcome thing, actually, from a democratic point of view. And, yeah, and, you don't and think there's anybody within the Tories talking about the future of Boris Johnson? I, 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 I am talking about the SNP. And it's heartening, it's heartening to hear the SNP have debates about at least something among them, even if it's personalities, which is not yeah, as good as yeah. policy. But, but the, but the, um, the, 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 they'll do anything other than have an SNP conference in person, apparently, because we wouldn't want to get them all together for, for the purposes of outline. As far as the Prime Minister goes, um, yeah. I think he's nearer the beginning than, than the end. I don't think you can underestimate Boris Johnson either. I said that in relation to Nicholas Sturgeon. It's true of Boris Johnson, no doubt about it. Um, he's got an amazing bounce-back ability. Brian, you know that. You've observed him close up. Um, and and I, think, I think people should write him off. He's got the ability. I remember it was a journalist on the Telegraph covering the European scene. Gillian Martin, you, you were covering your face there. That, that was like a, a it was, like, was, that, was that a scream? Was that Edvard Munch? That, that was Macaulay Culkin in Home Alone. Culkin, no, Culkin, Culkin. Culkin. No, 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 do you know something? Keep him where he is. No, no, no. The, 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 the thing about the Prime Minister is he's got, he's like, he's got a, a self-writing mechanism. And uh, when he when he recognises, as he has done and said so publicly, that some of the recent weeks have not been his finest hours, he's um, he's got the ability to to make adjustments and uh, rearrange things. It's one thing self-writing, Stephen, but 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 when you keep crashing the car into the ditch or <laughs> deliberately capsizing, so you can prove that you can self-write. I'm and, not sure he's deliberately you know, doing any of this. Supporters have to say enough, no. senior. Chums, I'm gonna I'm gonna call you all to a halt. Thank you very much for the the the, the, the slightly jocular approach at the end and the wonderfully serious approach to the grave topics we we discussed earlier. When it comes to cartoon characters, me I prefer Poor Willie or Moby Dosser. For me, Brian Taylor. This podcast was brought to you by the Herald. Take twenty percent off an annual subscription to the Herald with our exclusive podcast code. Just add Herald Pod 2021 to your basket and get instant unfiltered access to our website. And you can also get involved with the Brian Taylor podcast as well. Tune in on Facebook, Twitter and YouTube every Thursday afternoon to catch Brian and his panel chat live and ask your questions to the people across the political scene.